0: Hey everyone, it's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming. It's episode number 170. Hooray!
1: Hooray!
0: And uh, it's a special episode today, because oh. I am naked. That's not, no, special. It's
2: not I thought you were always naked.
0: <laughs> mm, I kind of assumed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, they... I have been. <laughs> no, it's a special Wait, episode... That is why we have a guest with us today, um, and I will introduce him in the way that he has become accustomed to. It's Tom from Calm Down, Tom, hooray! Hey, <laughs> Tom, how are you?
3: I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. No,
0: it's not. been it's been a while. We haven't spoken to you in a long time.
3: I know. I have played a, a, a few games.
0: <laughs> right, tell so, us tells uh, everything you've played <laughs> in the
3: last year or so.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, at, at this point, uh, Kieran, Paul and myself are going to bugger off and just leave you with Tom for about four hours.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. we, we, we've just we've record, recorded four hours of us going, uh uh-huh, yeah, okay, <laughs> tell us about that.
3: <laughs> and how does that make you feel? <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's, for, that's for the will we get to psychoanalyse you at the end.
4: Our new therapy podcast is going to be a big hit to you wait and see.
0: <laughs> Excellent. So uh, we have got quite a lot to talk about, uh, lots of things, uh, lots of games and things. Um, uh, a couple of board games as well. So let's kick things off and let's talk to... You. Tom, you've been playing some Yakuza 0 and so has Kieran, so how you guys been getting on with that?
3: Um, well... Not good for me. <laughs> so I really like Yakuza and I uh, didn't like this one as much but I'm not sure it's because there's anything wrong with this one. I am a completist, which is a bad thing with the Yakuza games.
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> because
3: it's very, very big and there's lots of stuff to do. And I played Yakuza 4 a lot. And then I had a bit of a break and then I was straight into Yakuza Five and I only finished that maybe a month before Yakuza Zero came out. <laughs> those games
4: It's a lot of Yakuza to play in a short relatively short period of time.
3: Oh man, it really is. And those those games are similar. Like that's the same city. You're running around. This is some Dynasty Warriors level of similarity. <laughs> those games, and Yakuza 7 is beautiful it's like the first PS4 one I think, so it looks yeah. much better than other ones and it runs really well and I think the story's pretty good um, I'm not sure that I like it as much as maybe 4 which was my favourite I mean I haven't played ones before that I started on the PS3 ones really and I didn't even play 3 um, but yeah it's good, but like I've done a lot of bowling. I've played a lot of Uh Magio.
1: I've
3: played a lot of darts.
1: How much space harrier
3: have you played? Quite a lot. Well, actually, (laughs) space (laughs) harrier isn't in all of them. That's one of the new things, because the arcade is old and Yakuza 0. There's some really weird, worse (laughs) games in the arcade. I've played, through the generations, an awful lot of that stupid cane winning prize game. Um, But in... So in Yakuza 5 there's a massive side story So I think there's five, uh, four characters in Yakuza 5 Five characters actually but four main parts um, In one part you play as a baseball player And a lot of his missions are just all based around about the baseball centre So I got to the baseball centre in Yakuza 0 And I was like okay, it's baseball and there's some missions here And I I don't know, I just I, I fell off um, I think it was just too much Yakuza I think it's good and stuff, but I don't know. I'd be interested in hearing what, what Kieran thought. I was listening to the last podcast, um, and I know that he liked it, and he'd only played. I think he'd only played three before, hadn't you?
4: Yeah, I played like the first couple of chapters of three, uh, but that was kind of it. Um, I think because there are, in a lot of ways, like, I can can understand people that played a lot of the series maybe not liking it quite as much, because it feels a lot like it was made as an entry point, like, as a response to the fact that almost everyone who's tried to get into these games of the past generation has been like, these are impenetrable, and... Yeah. The first two games were on PS2, and I'm not going to go back and play those. No. Three yeah. starts up, starts off at, like, a funeral for someone, and you can go to all the gravestones, and each one of them gives you the story of the first two games, and it's nonsense. And a terrible <laughs> way to experience the story from those games. Um... But Zero feels very much like they're like, okay, there'll be references to the other games. If you've played those, you'll get them. If you haven't, this is a self-contained kind of new start thing because it's a prequel, so you can jump in here. This is a good starting point for the series. Um,
3: they got crazy later on as well. Well, later on, earlier. Game yeah. lines all stuff. <laughs> but like, Yakuza, Yakuza 5, there was a whole section of the game which, depending on how much you did of it, probably took up maybe like 12 hours, 15 hours of gameplay, where there's no fighting, and you're playing as a Japanese idol, and all the fights are dance battles in the streets. That sounds
4: pretty good. <laughs> I know, it's alright. <laughs> One of the fighting styles in Yakuza 0 is breakdancing, that's pretty good. And
3: yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It, it, it's crazy, like Yakuza 5 in particular is the most bitty of them, and mm-hmm. um, it's a brutally weird game. It's not, you wouldn't get anything like this from a Western developer. Like, there's a whole section that's like a survival game in the mountains with trapping mm-hmm. and hunting bears. And it's not short. <laughs> it's not just a little, like, side mission. It's a game's worth of stuff. <laughs> and if you're not into it and you're like, I like running about Japan, uh, I like running about Tokyo and suplexing gang leaders, <laughs> look, you don't do that for 12 hours. It's nuts. Um, but I respect the, the weirdness. But yeah, I think maybe just going back to Zero, like it has the same streets and some of the, most of the same activities and I don't know, just, I think I've burnt out. But yeah. I would still say we should play it as the best entry point for sure.
4: Yeah, definitely. And like on that <laughs> kind of note of having like a whole game's worth of content and some of the side stuff, like I just reached the point where uh, the main character, Kuryu, has, like, unlocked his... He's been given a business and you can do all this side stuff to upgrade his business and it seems like this massive fucking thing that you could spend a bunch of time just beating that if you wanted to and ignore the rest of the game if you wanted. It seems like hours and hours of content there. And I was playing as a second character and got to the point where I knew he was about to unlock the same business thing and I assumed it would just be the same thing. I assumed it would be the same mechanics, just, you know, in this different city, because his whole story takes part in a different city. And. It's not. It's a completely different mini game that is even more in depth, and even yeah. more. Like, it involves, It's like a weird mix of, um. Of, like, Diner Dash, but with these. This, like, uh. uh hostess Cafe, this Cabaret Cafe, that you're. Going around making sure all the girls are okay and making sure you know none of the people, none of the guys coming in are mistreating them and things like that. Um,
3: yeah, it's nuts. I, I got the property development game for for Kiryu, mm-hmm. and I think that's exactly the point that I bounced off. Because I was like, <laughs> this is thing. I think in the in the fourth game, I think there was a, a management mode. So in all these games there's always a big arena fighting section where you Mm -hmm. kind of work up rankings and there's hundreds of people to fight against and there's like all these wrestling inspired modes so you can play in tag teams and you have to pick a partner and develop your partner and there's different rules and different matches and it's just nuts. But right through 4 there was all of that for not only you but also this side game about taking on kind of like this on kid. And it was a whole Cratty kid style story where you were a Mr Miyagi <laughs> figure, training. And in the fights in that you were picking his fighting style and choosing when to encourage him, but you weren't fighting. Uh-huh. And it was so good; <laughs> it was my favourite part of the that's game. It was great. this that, like pit fighting management sim? <laughs> um, and it was just weird, very like funny and strange. But that's the thing with those games—you can play like five hours of play can be different you know you can be doing totally different things between those different times in a different city playing basically a completely different game Um, but that means that whenever you hit one of those parts that's quite big if you're not particularly into it or in the mood for that you're just like well you don't have more sometimes you can kind of sidestep stuff but most of the good stuff in it is the weird distractions off to the side of the story Mm. anyway yeah definitely
4: and I think I've not encountered it myself just because I have been doing so much of that side stuff because I've been enjoying it but I think if you didn't do the side stuff there's a good chance you just wouldn't get enough money to upgrade like your health and stuff like that and be able to because at at its core Yakuza is technically an RPG like you are getting points to well you're getting money to spend on your character and level up in different ways and get different attacks and stuff like that (coughs) um and I feel like if you weren't doing that side stuff, you might fall behind in the story that way by just not being strong enough, basically, to beat anything unless you were just legitimately really good at the beat em up part of it.
3: Um, no, that's true. Even when you get kind of a bit better and you, you work at it, there's very severe difficulty spikes in those mm-hmm. games. You know, you, you decide to do this thing called fight the Amon family, which you do for doing every side story is like the, the hardest challenge in the game and most of the time for them to have any chance of getting anywhere with it you're using kind of crazy exploits based on unlocked moves because mm-hmm. your character starts off with a pretty limited move sets, so those side quests often there to give you weird things like counter moves or particular kind of melee or grapples and some of the later stuff is pretty much impossible to do without really gaming that system so it gets very very RPG, yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I played, I played a lot of Yakuza. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then and then didn't. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, it does but sound I, like you can get easily you... burned out on a game of that size.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's still, yeah, I would still recommend it. I would say if you guys are thinking about a Yakuza game, Zero's the one to jump into.
4: Yeah, or. Uh... Kiwami comes out in a few months and that's
3: so well, that yeah, yeah.
4: that's the remake of the first game in the same engine as Zero and apparently has the same fighting and stuff like that as Zero so yeah it'd basically it be pretty good
3: I think they do one one of those games a year as well so
4: it seems yeah. that way yeah yeah um Paul yes, yes. you've been playing Rise of the Tomb Raider <laughs>
2: I have and I've not had that much time with it. I got it in earlier today, so I've had a day off. So I've been playing a bit of it and I think I've got past the first two locations. Further than me. Um I am at a stage where you're hiking on a or you're climbing
4: on a mountain round about a disused Soviet military base. Yep, further than me. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, I picked up Rise of the Tomb Raider on sale over Christmas, and I played that intro bit where you're climbing up the kind of AC place. Yeah, like The yeah. bit in, is it Iraq or is it Syria that you're in? Syria. The oasis.
3: Yep. And then I got to
4: the bit where you're like in the snow next to fire, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to play this another time, and still haven't put it back on yet.
2: Okay. I'm really, really enjoying <laughs> it. Um... As much as I enjoyed the last Tomb Raider game. They've just really, really revived them in my opinion. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, This is so much fun. Apart from the section in Syria, everything I've done so far is snow-capped mountains in Siberia. Mm -hmm. Um, So currently running around, as I said, on a mountain next to a disused Soviet military base. Um, I haven't really done much of the story in this section. I've been doing the extra tombs.
1: You've been so I'm,
2: tombs. I've been reading tombs, as the game suggests. <laughs> uh, so, I've t- just done a really fun tomb, which was a uh, one where you changed a lot of water levels to try and get yourself you know, up to the, the point of the, the, the room you wanted to get to. Very oh. much reminds me of the the tombs in Assassin's Creed where there's like a central point you're trying to get to and it's all lit up in gold
4: uh-huh. um well, something good those...
2: yeah controls better doesn't control like crap <laughs> um looks a lot prettier yeah, that's fair. just yeah no thoroughly thoroughly enjoying it uh oh. the the landscape in this one Syria looks spectacular um, the desert section, but even more so the the snow-capped mountains and all the ice and the views and stuff you can get from some of those locations look so good.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Game is absolutely stunning, and that's running on PS4. I can only imagine what it looks like running on PC.
3: Yeah. Did you play the newer Uncharted games as well, Paul?
2: I did. I actually started with Uncharted Four. Um, yeah. I've never played 1 through 3 and then I went back and played Uncharted 1 in the remaster collection, I've still got 2 and 3 to play but um, I'm going to have to get to those at some stage
3: yeah. It's just, I, I find it hard not to compare Rise of the Tomb Raider with uh, the newer Uncharted uh, like...
2: Yes, I kind of sure. have felt that as well
3: and I don't think it's like a good comparison for Rise of the Tomb Raider, like I, I, I liked it. I think when I was playing it, um, I found maybe the last half of the game a bit of a slog, and I, I preferred the one before. What was the one before? Was just Tomb Raider. Uh, just Tomb Raider. Yeah, which I really liked. Um, but I think I don't want to spoil anything because you're playing it, so I won't. Um, but I, I really came down pretty badly on that game for the the closing section, which I thought was just. Awful. Like it really. It was one of the worst in-game yeah. to, to that I played that year. And I think yeah,
0: that I, th- I thought it was all right. Did I? I played it before I played Uncharted 4 because I played it on Xbox One. And I thought it was it was all right.
3: Yeah, I think that game. For some reason, for me, I didn't enjoy the the combat or the shooting. And I mean, I think in Tomb Raider, I thought it was all right. It wasn't the draw of the game, but I thought I never got in the way. And during Rise of the Tomb Raider, I just never took that at all. It just always right. me. And I think the ending is pretty combat heavy. I mean, there's no... Yes. yeah, It's it's really waves and waves of fighting, um, none of which did anything for me. So by that point, we're just trying to get to the end. And because they're often compared, I don't know if it's fair or not, just think like Uncharted 4 has such a fantastic ending. I've got a huge soft spot for how that series closed. Without even really being a fan of the other Uncharted games that much.
4: Mm-hmm. Just
3: can only think whenever I think back to that Rise of the Tomb Raider call, I just think Man that fucking games
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm enjoying the story so far in it. Um I will say I don't think it's as strong as oh. Uncharted 4's story.
3: Yeah, that's that's fair.
2: Um, but I'm still enjoying what I've played so far. As far as combat goes, gunplay, again, I'm the same as you on that one. I'm not super keen on it. I'm using melee and the bow, and that's pretty much it. I've got a pistol there, and I'm just not using it. Um, For someone who doesn't play games stealthily, I'm playing this with the bow and trying to be more stealthy because I don't want to have to use the gun. Because it doesn't feel that good.
3: Yeah. That's probably the way you played. The the bow is still really good in that game. Uh, Yeah, and
2: it's the way I played the the last one one as well. Yeah. So, I'm kind of sticking to the bow. Just upgrading the bow and my my pickaxes for melee. I haven't really put much effort or upgrades into the gun. The pistol that I'm using, because I don't particularly like it. So... (laughs) <laughs> I, I've, I've not really touched it. Um, mm-hmm. Really enjoying all the side questing stuff. The, it teaching you where the tomb is. There's some side missiony stuff comes up for some friendly people in it that, you know, not everyone in every level wants to kill you. Some of them are nice and want to give you missions. So I've been doing a lot of side questing and, and staying away from the main story at least in the section I'm in right now, because that's when it seems to open up a bit more. It seems to be really heavily story-focused until you get to this point.
1: Hmm.
2: And then it kind of branches out, and it's like, oh, hey, there's this section you can go to, and there's this section, and there's this section, and there's this section. It's all the same map. You just need to find your way between each section.
3: So... As well. I think it looks around itself in a really satisfying way. I think it's really well-designed, the, the environment... There's not like a lot of variety, I seem to remember. More just scenes stuck in my head from, from the previous Tomb Raider game, like climbing that big uh tower <laughs> thing, the big uh radio tower and stuff. And
2: yeah,
3: yeah. I suppose more variety in the environments and the weather effects and stuff. But it's still a, it's a really good looking game.
2: It's it's really nice. Uh, there's one point in the, the level I'm in now where you, you climb a disused tower that's part of the Soviet base. <laughs> And you kinda get a look out over the the Siberian mountains that you're on and it just looks really, really nice. It's it's kinda like that moment where you climbed the radio tower and you got that view of the, the coastline in the yeah. last one.
3: Yeah, yeah, I know.
2: Uh it's kinda the same thing but you know, it's the view of the mountains and you see little fires of camps of people that are climbing the mountains and stuff and it's pretty cool. But other than that, enjoying it, haven't played enough to pass serious judgement or comment on it as of yet. Um, hopefully I'll have played a bit more of it by next week, and I'll... I can talk a bit more on it. But, uh... Speaking of older
0: games, Mike,
2: you yeah. seem to have played a heck of a lot of GBA and Game Boy games.
0: Uh, I have, yes. So, a. Uh... Uh, Like I mentioned on the last podcast, I was sitting watching Star Wars and um, was watching the Millennium Falcon and it's flying through the asteroids and doing its thing. And I just had a a flashback to an old Game Boy Advance game called Flight the Falcon. So uh, I'd found a copy of it uh, quite cheap on Amazon or eBay, one of the two. Yep. And... um, so, got a copy of that and also got a Game Boy Advance with a whole load of games, um, on eBay. And it was, uh, it was a, ch- a charity shop, uh, that I got it to, so uh, the money went to a good cause as well and I got uh, some retro gaming goodness. Uh, so I got quite a few games, um, in the package with it. Uh, one of the ones that I got which uh, drew my eye to it was Super Buster Move. So, I don't know if anyone remembers that.
4: Yep. Nope. Not nope. that one specifically, at least. I <laughs> remember the series.
0: Right, so, yeah, so you remember that you know what Buster oh, yeah. Move is?
4: Yeah. Yes.
0: So that is the, the bubble popping game with the two characters, from, uh, Bub and Bob from Bubble Bubble. Mm.
4: Yeah, it's Puzzle Bubble um, in Japan.
0: Yes, yeah. Um, I don't know why it was called Buster Move, but. Uh, Puzzle
4: Bubble is clearly trademarked. You know, yeah. the famous Puzzle Bubble film series.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. no, um, You know, uh, almost as good as um, Puzzle Bubble Coffee. That's it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, so I seen this and I put it into the Game Boy and started to play. And that was when I realised that when I bought my Game Boy Advance SP, I... Bought it and the screen was lovely and everything was great and all happy. What I didn't realise was that there was an a version before the one that I bought. Um, and what it was was the the first version they did was front lit, so there was a light in front of the screen. Yeah. Rather than what we're used to now, which That's is
3: funny.
0: that one wasn't here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was the. It came out in 2002, I think it was. And yeah, it was just horrible. <laughs> and But that's the one that I've got. Oh, great. So <laughs> the, the problem is that most games are fine, but um, some games, especially things like Buster Move, where the graphics are quite small as it is, um, the little colours of the bubbles, you can't exactly tell the difference between blue and green.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh. It's washed out from the light.
0: yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I've not been getting on too well with it. Uh, I'll get so far, and then I'll get a whole load of blues and greens, and I don't know what it is, and I, I keep guessing the wrong way, and just end up screwing up my game. So, that's fine. What I have done, though, so I went to try and see if I could find another Game Boy Advance SP online, but the newer model, and those things, people are now gouging the prices for them. People being dicks. On the internet. Um, that sounds like a thing. No, no, I'm making that up, aren't I? <laughs> Everyone's really <laughs> nice. No, people on the, on the
2: internet are lovely.
0: I know, I know. Um, so. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I have ended up buying a DS Lite. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Sorry, I, I got a.
4: This little nostalgia trip for you seems to be starting to cost you a bit money.
0: I, well it was okay because I managed to get a DS Lite um for 20 pound and I got um a, a whole load of games with it as well that's pretty good So uh, yeah it, it wasn't too bad and it comes with a charger and everything so and a little case for it so that was fine um yeah you know, I just basically I'm looking for something that that I can see uh a uh, Buster moving, and see what's going on yeah. with it. Uh I played a couple of other things as well. I did I did t- I did say I got a copy of Star Wars Flight of the Falcon and I played that. It does suffer a little bit from the the bad lighting on the screen. Um so Flight of the Falcon was a game, it came out uh, and the whole everyone was excited about it because it was a game that had three D graphics uh on the Game Boy Advance. Uh it had the proper John Williams score, it wasn't eight bit, uh you know, it was going to be one of the Star Wars games of the series. It had quotes from the films, they had voice actors, the whole the whole shooting match.
3: Mm-hmm. Um I'm, I'm roughly similar ages to you. I don't yeah. remember one being excited about this game.
0: <laughs> you don't.
3: I don't remember anyone talking about this game before this conversation right there. Wow. I,
0: I, will, I, I will actually send you I will send you the links because I did a little bit of research in it as well. I knew I was excited about it and then I thought, I wonder if I just made that up in my head. So I did check it out and I found a couple of, uh, I think it was a Game Informer uh, article and there was another one that I found as well. Um, and it was at the time, people were excited because it was one of the first games for the, uh, one of the first Star Wars games to use 3D graphics.
3: So was it like Mode 7 stuff?
0: No, no, no it wasn't Mode 7, because uh, Mode 7 was SNES, this was for the, the Game Boy Advance Okay
3: so
0: um,
3: Like funny Star Fox
0: 3D Yeah, um, but more you know, it had realistic models and everything, and that's where the excitement stopped and maybe this is why you didn't see much about it Tom, because <laughs> When it was announced, there was buzz about it, and then they released a working demo, oh. and it was <laughs> yeah. I never seen the working demo, <laughs> but saying that, I did like the game. Um, and I think it was a, I think it was a little case of rose-tinted specs as well, <laughs> because when I play it, there, flying the Millennium Falcon and the Imperial March playing in the background, and you're hearing the laser sounds and everything, it's great. Uh, then you get to the next level where you're in a speeder in Tatooine, and you need to. The idea was that you're flying through, you know, Tatooine, and you're avoiding buildings, and they've got stormtroopers, and you avoid them, and there's the the beasties, and you're avoiding all the beasties. And uh, but the thing is, the models are that bad. You don't know what is bad texturing and what is, you know, the building that you're meant to avoid. And if you're going too fast, you just crash into nothing. It's a, just a blank texture, and once the, the explosion happens and everything slows down, the texture now then forms itself, and you can see, oh, that was actually a building.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it wasn't really done that well. It but... Seems it seems
4: like the Game of Advance was not made for 3D,
0: so... Yes, yeah, and I think that's why you know people thought you know if they can pull it off it will be the future um clearly now the game boy advance is where it is and (laughs) we're now waiting for the the switch to come out um but yeah so that was all right uh i got a game as well that was in here and it was uh I, i couldn't I seen it and I thought, shit, I'm gonna have to play this. And it's a Britney Spears dance Beats. and it's nice. a it's a rhythm action game, as only the the Game Boy Advance can do it. Um, because the so what happens is there's a a cue a prompt and it highlights a button and when it goes over the button, you know, same as usual, you push the button at the right time and you carry on. Mm-hmm. Except the the highlighter, the cue, just spins in a circle. And the button that you push, well, it's only the one button that you push. So this thing turns in a circle, and maybe at, you know, at one o'clock there's a button, at three o'clock there's a button, and at five o'clock there's a button. That's it. That's <laughs> and it spins round and round and round till the song finishes.
4: So it's just the most um, basic of basic rhythm games.
0: Yeah, the, the music is terrible as well. Um. I I'm going to see that. if I can that's amazing it's so good <laughs> to me <laughs> it seems
3: like um. make, tra- make like oh. that <laughs> oh, the,
0: the, the music is excellent because it's weird so um, you know they'll play the, the baby one more time or whatever it is and the music will play and remember how music in well not music because it was Britney Spears, but she would do this eh, that kind of singing thing, that, like she was strangling a cat or getting strangled by a cat. I'm still not too sure which one. Sure. And so they've got that. You can hear the music, and then eh, and <laughs> and then when it comes time to you know the melody, her singing, they've taken that away and they've replaced it with a really bad keyboard. <laughs> It is bizarre because the game is uh, the game was designed. It says in the credits, designed by Britney Spears and uh, published by Britney Products or something, you know. So it is an official Britney Spears game. So there's no licensing issues or anything. I just don't know why they decided to take her whiny, moany voice out of it completely.
4: I would say it would be mostly to be able to compress the songs enough to be able to fit them on the game by advance.
0: Uh...
4: Game of Advance didn't have a lot of things with voice acting on them. Um, well,
0: I played a there was a a pop idol game, and it had singing in it, and it was it was full songs as well. I remember that. It wasn't very good, to be fair, it, it, but I think it was better than Britain's Dance Beat. But um yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, just quickly I played something uh, else I seem to play a lot of THQ games or there was a lot of THQ games that I got Um, uh, and one of the other ones that I got was uh, Banjo Pilot which is uh, a Banjo Kazooie themed racing game except it's your flying little ships instead of carts Um, and that's it yeah there's there's no difference Um,
4: I didn't realise this was a thing
0: Yeah, um.
4: Because this will be after Microsoft bought Rare.
0: uh, That's
2: such a thing I want to play.
0: It was brought out. I'm trying to read because the print is very bloody small on these cartridges, so I'm trying to.
4: Microsoft bought Rare at the end of the Nintendo 64, which was before the Game Boy Advance. That's still Game Boy Color time.
0: Right, okay, so this came out in 2005, um, and it was Rare, but it was licensed by THQ. Mm. Um, so oh, that's
4: okay.
0: the, the, the game was originally planned to be
4: entitled Diddy Kong Pilot and be a sequel to Diddy Kong Racing for Nintendo 64 but due to Rare being bought out by Microsoft Studios the characters were changed from those of Nintendo based Donkey Kong series to those of the Rare based Banjo-Kazooie series Alright, oh, okay So yeah, it was, a, it was a weird Microsoft I mean, Microsoft did that a couple of times because there was a FIFA Piñata game for the DS
0: Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah,
4: it was like a weird mini game collection thing. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't what you'd want. Uh,
0: but but uh, yeah. So I played that a little bit. Um, need to play a bit more. Um, I don't know if I will actually. And <laughs> then the the last thing that I played, um, it's weird because I was playing all these Game Boy Advance games, and then I remembered I had a couple of Game Boy Advance games on my 3DS.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And one of them was Warrior
3: so good. Oh, yeah, I, I love I,
0: That that game is amazing, but I am um, we have been babied too much because that game is super bloody hard. Oh, I, bet. I I'm stuck at the the second time you meet the, the the disco guy with the afro and uh he I'm stuck at his set of mini games and I've got to the final level Three times with him, and what he, what you have to do with him is, it's a modified version of Punch Out that you're playing. And yeah, I am, I just get hammered every single time, but I can't stop playing it because to play the whole thing and get to the the boss fight takes you what forty seconds.
4: Something like that. That thing is yeah. so fast <laughs> that even if you're doing terribly or something, you're just like, I'll do that again because that was a minute.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I love that game Um, it's really cool Uh, one of the things Kieran you and I uh, spoke about as well was uh, after we finished last week's podcast we were talking about how come you didn't get Game Boy Advance games on the 3DS
1: mm-hmm.
0: Um, does anyone know the answer to this? no no <laughs> uh, I actually found out the reason why... Um, so you can get Game Boy Advance games on the Virtual Console for the Wii U, but you can't get them on the 3DS. And the reason for this is that the 3DS, its structure and its chipset, can't handle the the GBA games. It was never made with that in mind. So the Game, the game Boy Advance games that are on the 3DS, there is... Five or six of them And they were given away as part of the 3DS Ambassador Program mm-hmm. So that that was the poor saps like me That bought the, the version one of the 3DS uh, Only for, I think it was like Five weeks later For it to get a massive price drop And how they, placate, how they placated us Was to give us a whole load of Old uh, Game Boy Advance uh, SNES and ne- um, NES games but the the GBA games that were included, um, one of them was uh, Fire Emblem, the Sacred Stones, there was uh, F-Zero, there was... Metroid Fusion. Uh, a it's Metroid Fusion. The main fusion. one that I'm annoyed about. <laughs> and, uh, of course, WarioWare. Um, and I think there was a Mario Kart one as well. But those are not emulated, they're duplicated. Okay. Yeah. So that is the reason why we won't see any more Game Boy Advance games because of 3DS.
4: Because they put special effort into them. Hopefully, they'll be yeah. on the Wii U, eh, not the Wii U, the Switch. Uh, given they're already on the Wii U, like I presume that virtual console yeah. could hopefully just go over. In which case, they'll have a portable system that will have yeah. a virtual console with NES games, SNES games, Game Boy yeah. Advance games, DS games, that kind of stuff on it. Yeah, yeah you can be- imagine them having emulation on the Switch.
0: Yeah but it'd be interesting I'm interested to see what they do whether you know if you've bought those games on the Wii U if they're going to carry over to the Switch Of course not No It's Nintendo They've never done it before so why would they do it now Nintendo
2: leaves the money
4: just to stay afloat They gave a really big discount with the Wii to Wii U Switch Um, so everything went down to uh, again there's still the pricing tiers they have for each type of console so NES games went down to like 30 P or something like that if you bought it in the previous one. Uh uh-huh. Nintendo 6 4 games went down to like a pound. So you get them really cheap, but you are still paying money, unfortunately. Cool.
0: Sure. Yeah. yeah, so um on that interesting note, uh Tom, you have played some Battlefield One. Yes.
3: Well i I've, I've... I've probably finished playing Battlefield One now. Um but I did, I, I liked it a lot. I I got a Platinum and I thought that was a good thing. Oh wow, okay. Um, but I got into it after having not really liked it. I suppose it was just for anyone thinking of going back and playing that. I'm sure it's cheaper now. Um, but yeah, I played that quite a lot over, over probably Christmas holidays. That was the main thing I played. I didn't like it that much at first. Um, it took a lot of adjusting to. So I'm a big Battlefield fan anyway. I even liked right. that Star Wars game, that funny, Star Wars Battlefront, that came out as well. Um was quite good fun, but quite light, I felt, in comparison to Battlefield 1, that felt like a big, proper, complete package. There was a
1: yes.
3: single-player campaign and stuff in it as well. Um, so yeah, so I got right into that over Christmas, and I think, like most of those games, I didn't really enjoy it until I learned the maps a little bit and got used to the very distinctive guns, you know, it's like World War 2 guns, so you're not talking like super futuristic advanced weapon targeting sites and stuff like that um, and as much as any of the Battlefield games really it was one of those games where you can spawn and just instantly die yeah. but some guy at the other end of the map had fired some grenade artillery thing blindly and you just happened to spawn exactly where it landed <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> See, I didn't. I played one, one match online, didn't like it, and went back to the single player. And yeah. so the 99 percent of my experience with Battlefield, uh, Battlefield One was the the story mode, which I liked.
3: It was alright. Yeah, I liked the variety to it. So I liked the whole globe-trotting thing. And if you got fed up with one bit, well, it was almost like six wee mini games. Yeah. Uh, um, I liked that one in the desert, the kind of Lawrence Arabia one where you were playing uh-huh. the, the the women Arab. Um, that was really fun because there was lots of kind of open kind of areas, so there was like you had to destroy four. I can't remember what it was. Maybe four anti-aircraft guns, but were kind of each one was in a little settlement by itself. All the uh,
2: for the long yeah. I ones it was actually you had to take out four commanders and take their pigeons to send the oh, message huh. to the train. I don't remember.
3: Yeah, I've, ju- I've just
1: just <laughs> playing it.
3: Yeah, just playing it like the start of this week. It's quite stealthy that bit as well, isn't it? So it's not like it's not pure. Like hitman or anything like that, but it does incentivize you to sneak around and take out as many of those guys as you can without being found. A bit like, I don't know, a bit like Far Cry 3, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. You know, I'll whenever that's awesome, it's all fun. But
2: that was probably the actually the only one I actually enjoyed of those single player campaign routes. Yeah. I really don't like the game at all. I wanted to. I went in, and everyone's going, "It's great! It's great!" I hardly played it online. i uh, mostly played most of the campaign and just. I want to like it, but I can't. There's just something stopping me enjoying it and I can't pinpoint what it is.
3: I, I wouldn't really blame you for not loving the single player campaign, to be honest, because I quite liked it. But then I played Titanfall 2 after that and it's a bit like, alright, okay. <laughs>
4: yeah, so could... This is how you do a single player campaign. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. I could have just played this twice, that would have been
4: better.
3: There were parts parts in Battlefield 1 that was playing in the single player campaign where I thought, thank fuck, that's over with. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think you'll know what I mean, Paul, like the whole clearing the area for a tank, is fucking bullshit. Oh yeah, uh,
2: no, (laughs) the forest where the tank can't see, absolutely dismal, one of the worst things I've played in games in the last year.
3: I mean your teammates obviously fucking hated you because they're all in a tank and they're like here's what we're going to do you get out and run ahead Aye. and then the tank will wheel through when there's nobody there so they wanted you to die yeah. um, what, but, what,
0: what you don't see is like the, the uncut footage or the, or the cut footage where they're throwing tin cans as you walk Yeah. he's over there look at those bushes
3: or, like, the bit where he comes back to the tank and tries to open the door and they just, like, push away a wee bit. <laughs> Come on, guys! And then, it like, he runs up to the door and they just pull away a wee bit. <laughs> yeah. So, I I don't know, like, so, in comparison, there was parts of Battlefield 1 that I'm, like, I'm really glad that's over with. Like, in some ways it was good, because that was the mood that they were going for. Whenever you get back to the trenches, for example, after you're stuck in enemy lines and that whole mission, there's, like, palpable relief. You're, like, oh, man, that was really close. Um yeah. the comparison was parts of Titanfall 2 you were like okay I didn't die or anything but I'm just going to restart that section and just do it again <laughs> like that that whole part with the, the gun I didn't mean to talk about Titanfall 2 but just the the comparison is so clear for me because I played one shot after another yeah. that one where you get the, like automatic aiming gun I just played that part like 8 times in a row I a times as well yeah but I would I say uh, th- the multiplayer portion of the game is really, really good. I think there's a lot of depth. And it gets really good when you find guns that you like. I think until then it's a bit of a slog when you're learning the maps. But it's totally rewarding that I think it's a good Battlefield multiplayer game uh, once you get over the hump.
2: Yeah, Yeah. No, I just... It's probably the only other game I've played recently, and... I think the only two sections I liked because I mostly played the single player were the the Lawrence of Arabia stuff and the uh, the stuff where you're fighting in the the airplanes
3: the the
2: the rest of the infantry combat stuff and the tank stuff not a fan at all just couldn't find anything I liked about it yeah nah that's
3: fair enough I don't think it's amazing so
1: yeah
2: yeah I just don't know what it is I just and I wanted to like it because Mike brought up so much in Game of the Year. It was like, oh yeah, it's good. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna play this, and it's gonna be great. And I got in, and I was like, nah.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would, I would stick. I would give it another chance. You know, you don't have to. <laughs> but I would say just uh, give give the multiplayer a wee chance because if you've ever liked multiplayer in Battlefield games before, there's definitely. Like, some, I there.
2: might give that another chance, because the, the Battlefield multiplayer that I liked the most was actually the one where you were on the... was the Xbox Live arcade game one? Oh, on oh. B. Oh. Yes, that was yeah. tremendous. Um, I like that one. I
1: might,
2: yeah, I'd, if they make another one of those, I'd be the happiest person alive and just constantly play it. I'm
4: kind of surprised they I, haven't. It seems like one of the things where making a uh, cheap... You know, one map, you know, battlefield kind of spin-off thing seems like something that wouldn't use that many resources, and I bet they made quite a bit of money off that first one. Or, you know, oh yeah, it was last, like three, it one.
2: It was like fifteen quid, but when it was brand new, and I think I easily got a
3: couple of hundred
2: pounds worth of value out of it. The minute I played it, so yeah,
3: yeah it was like the top seller in the Xbox Live for a couple of years in a row. I think it was just.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah cool
2: well I've talked about Battlefield once. that was the pretty much the only other game I've had to speak about <laughs> so shall we pass it over to Kieran and he can talk about Fire Emblem Heroes which I have downloaded but I haven't played yet and he can tell me if he likes it
4: sure um, Fire Emblem Heroes is Nintendo's third uh, I guess Pokemon wasn't really them.
2: Pokemon Go wasn't them, it's Nintendo's second app.
4: Yeah. Well, no, third, because Miitomo.
3: Miitomo, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Miitomo
4: and Super Mario Run. It um, is the most free to play ass, free to play game you will see. Um, but also, all the UI stuff is a lot nicer than most of the free to play mobile games. But also, if you've played any of the free to play games on Android and iOS, you'll instantly know what all of the menus in there are for because you've done it before it's like oh this is the one I go to to summon new units in this random thing that will maybe give me something good and this is where I go to fuse my units together to make them stronger and this is where I go to level up individual dudes and all of these cost different resources so there's like seven different resources because it's a free to play game um, which is Maybe a bit disappointing, I was kind of hoping Nintendo would have a bit more of a unique take on the kind of free-to-play mobile game thing, um, but on the other hand it is a very good one of these kind of games, like it it takes out, like the thing that makes all the free-to-play games different is always, you know, the actual what you are doing bit, and that's usually the bit that I've fallen off these games at, like I played quite a bit of that uh, Kingdom Hearts on Unchained last year and the main reason I fell off that one was just because the bulk of the gameplay in that is kind of just tapping on enemies over and over till they die so there's not much strategy or to it, right? Um and then this is the main gameplay of it is Fire Emblem it is simplified smaller scale uh, Fire Emblem battles but it still feels very much like a Fire Emblem battle um, so they're just little 4 on 4 Kind of skirmishes, really, um, where you're positioning your units and try to take out the other side, and they, you know, constantly are throwing in different characters from all the different games. Um, so, like recently, I was I went through a series of missions. You, you do pretty early on to defeat Marth, and then you get Marth and your team, um, right, which is pretty cool. <coughs> um, but the actual gameplay is really good. It's it feels like Fire Emblem, like you're moving your guys on a grid and trying to wipe out the other team. And they've got a bit more of a kind of rock paper scissors thing going on with it, where um, every unit has a, a color. So you know, there's red, blue, and green, and you know, blue will do more damage to red. Red will do more to green. Green does more to blue. That kind of thing. Um, but it doesn't rely super heavily on it like you'll do more damage if you're doing it that way but if you run your blue unit towards a red unit that is significantly stronger than you they will still fuck you up like it's not like this magic victory thing of well I got the the colour combination right so I win it's like no, no you're gonna die Um, which I've lost units here and there which is not permadeath it's not which is Probably something that would have been, on one hand, really cool, but on the other hand, I, I get why they wouldn't have done it because it's a free play game and you're spending money to unlock these units, so people would be pretty pissed off if they died. Um, but I am enjoying it so far. Uh, I've not played a massive amount of it. I'm on chapter three of the story mode, which it has like a full story mode, like it's got the all the dialogue and stuff you would expect from a Fire Emblem game. Alright, okay. Um, the story is this kind of big crossover thing where uh, all of the worlds are kind of colliding. And the idea is just that there's two factions that kind of exist outside of any individual Fire Emblem game. And one of them has the ability to open up portals to different, uh, different Fire Emblem universes. and Another one has the ability to close them. And they haven't explained yet why you would ever want to open them. But apparently the people that opened them are the good guys and they opened a bunch of them and the guys that can close them refused to close them when they were meant to and instead went and invaded all of the Fire Emblem universes I'm not <laughs> I'm still pretty early on so I'm not really sure why they opened them in the first place beyond being able to <laughs> but it's interesting at least um, and it's enough of a good premise like to you know throw in all the characters that you kind of Recognize and plenty that you don't recognize from the Fire Emblem games, uh, because there's a shit ton of characters in this game. And also, I I don't know about you, Mike, because I know you played some Fire Emblem. Yes. But I don't really remember a lot of Fire Emblem characters.
0: No, there, there was always the um, there was the the guy, the main the main guy who's the hero, and then there's always a girl character who looks freakily like him. <laughs> um and then there's always the stone looking guy. He's normally like the big tank. Okay, and then there's the um the slender looking woman who normally does some sort of magic attack. Yeah. Um, and there's about
4: and if it's the last two Fire Emblem <laughs> games there's about eight more waifus. So
0: that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's um yeah, I can't name many of the characters so what i was going to ask you was would i still have a little bit of um fire emblem uh, the the one that you couldn't finish
4: couldn't finish oh my god i said uh, actually
0: oh, just, uh, um the uh, fates the uh yeah, Deception or conquest yes. yeah so i've still got quite a bit of conquest left and i've got probably about 95% of um Awakening left Mm -hmm. do would you recommend I still try this one as well or yeah am I better off sticking with you know Fire Emblem proper as it were
4: I think Fire Emblem proper are better games like I I was playing uh Fire Emblem Fates uh Conquest on the way home today because I was playing this mobile game on the way into work and it kind of just made me want to play proper Fire Emblem. All right, okay. Like it is good in its own, but it's kind of a bit too light and it's it's not super easy. Like there's enough. I've not lost any of the battles yet, but I've definitely had units die in battles, um, which there's not really any punishment for that I can tell so far, other than that they have less chance to get experience from fighting. Um, but you know it doesn't have things like or things that like later Fire Emblem games added. So it doesn't have uh, like the convoy system. You can't put a unit near another unit and pick it up. You can't. Uh, you can't do the um, the thing they added in Fates, where if two units or maybe Awakening added, where if there's two units standing next to each other, they'll kind of help each other out in fights. Um, which kind of breaks those games a little bit as is because if you have two units standing next to each other they kind of just become invincible most of the time but it's still a nice mechanic that is kind of a shame isn't in this version but on the other hand the battles are all 4v4 so and they also last like a couple of minutes like they're super quick they're made for you to be able to get through them super uh-huh. quickly um, so I guess it doesn't necessarily need some of those mechanics Right. Um, but I definitely kind of felt I found myself wanting more actual Fire Emblem, Uh, but I am enjoying it, and I am going to probably play more of it. Because on the other hand, I was playing Fire Emblem on the tram home today, but I didn't finish that mission that I was playing on the tram home. Right. Whereas I got through, you know, two or three battles in this game on the way into work. Like it's right. You know, it's shorter, and so if you just want that kind of quick hit of Fire Emblem stuff. It's definitely going to do that. Uh-huh. Um,
0: cool. Um, yeah. Tom, have you played any of this stone
3: I have a little bit. Just just a tiny bit. I mean, I love Fire Emblem, but I didn't play the last two. You know, the two that came out just recently?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: The 3DS. I mean, I think the one that I spent the most time with was the last 3DS one, maybe? Yeah. yeah to... I played the GameCube one. Um, but yeah, this one seems quite Fire Emblem me. Like, I didn't know it was only ever goes up to 4v4, so that was kinda. Mm-hmm. A well, bit not, bummer.
4: I guess I'm not 100% sure on that. Like, I, so far I've only seen 4v4 things. Yeah, it looks um, like
3: there's four, so it kinda make sense. Yeah. Um, but as like, as well made, it looks good, you know, and it mm-hmm. feels Fire Emblem y. For someone that hasn't played for a while and is totally missing that kind of game, I was into it. And I noticed that the colour things just correspond with the Fire Emblems that I know, where it's like axe beats uh, lance, lance beats sword, sword beats axe. So I guess that's, yeah, yeah. So that kind of tends to me. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this is fun. Maybe I'm totally going to get into this, and I put my phone down, and then I picked up my phone like half an hour later, and it says, you have regained stamina. I was <laughs> <I'm> like, oh. <"Aw." laughs> so yeah... It's surprising, totally the point that Kieran's making is the thing that occurred to me as well. Like, I did not expect Nintendo to be making such a, um, like, typical, modern, uh, free to play game. It's got all of those hooks, like, all the elements are there. You know? There's a lot of really dodgy books written about how to make free to play games, and it's basically like pick a theme doesn't really matter what it is, Wild West, Space, whatever the fuck you want, and then they're just all the same, you know, they're just like different skins, Uh I don't think this game is like that, but it is just got all those little mechanisms to hook people, and it's just really sad for me, like, maybe it'll still be worth playing, but just that stuff leaves a bad taste for me, I mean, some people will be fine with it, but I'm just Man, as soon as I see that stamina thing, like not the way that I want to pay for games. And I liked what they did with Super Mario Run, where it's like, okay, this is quite expensive, but you fucking buy it and then you have it, and that's it.
0: Uh-huh, well,
3: ah. Yeah. That's not the approach that's typically taken with with games now on the App Store at all. It's swimming upstream, but because then Nintendo or Nintendo, they could do it and they kind of got away with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is not not that at all. Yeah. So,
4: so far, I've found that the stamina, like, you use a certain amount of stamina to go into each battle, um, but it is so little and you kind of, it automatically regenerates over time that I've not had an issue with it. It seems like one of those mechanics is kind of there to make money from the kind of people that will sit and play mobile games for a couple of hours at a time. Which, yeah. personally, is not how I, I, I personally don't, I kind of play for you know, five, ten minutes here and there. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of really, like, when, when I got that notification, it was like, your stamina's regenerated. The first thing I thought was, okay, well, I don't remember seeing a setting to turn off notifications, so that's worrying to start with. Yeah,
3: totally, yeah. Um, yeah.
4: But I, I'm enjoying it, so. Yeah. I'll,
3: I'll stick with it, I'll see, because I miss Fire Emblem, but it might make me pick up a t- 3DS and those Fire Emblem games. Because they're amazing.
4: I love them. Those last couple were really good. And there's a new one out. May?
0: Uh, yeah, that. me. Is it May? Yeah, I think, yeah, at some I think point so. Then,
4: yeah. It's a remake of. Uh, the second one? Or a spinoff or something? I can't remember. It's, it's a remake of one of the old ones.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
4: Cool.
3: Um. Oh, God. So many games.
4: Tom.
1: Yeah,
3: maybe I'll do like multiple games and a blast here. To get yeah, to yeah, maybe, yeah, that might be good. But
1: the
4: main okay, one I come. want to know about is actually Resident Evil 7 just because not, none of the rest of us have played that.
3: Right, okay, cool. So if you want to know about that, we'll talk about that last.
1: Right,
3: <laughs> we <laughs> <God, damn. laughs> so played again. I, I think this kind of reviews itself but I played the Telltale Batman game over Christmas and I remember fucking nothing about it
1: but I remember <laughs>
3: the ending was really bad, the ending was proper anticlimactic and dismal, I think that's the worst of the Telltale games that I've played except for Game of Thrones um, which is a same because maybe halfway through, just because it's Batman I started getting really into it and I was like, man, maybe this is as good as you know the first series of Walking Dead or, or Wolf Among Us, which as you know I totally love, mm-hmm. Um but no, it, it properly goes off. And it has a bad first episode, I would think. A lot of people said that they tried the first one and they didn't like it, so they didn't keep going with it. Then a lot of reviews came out a bit later and said, oh, the later episodes are pretty good. You know, it's going somewhere interesting. Yeah. It's not It's not quite <laughs> anywhere." <anything. laughs> Maybe yeah. in the next season. Yeah, yeah. And everything that I liked about it is just, I really like Batman. I realised that afterwards, I was trying to think back at it any clever things that they did with the cast or ways that they threw off your expectations or or clever kind of reinterpretations of characters that we know and I thought every way that they did every character from Alfred to Bruce Wayne to Batman to the Joker I was like I don't really like that version of that (laughs) Like stuff. so yeah I wouldn't say you guys should should run out and play that in a, in a similar way, I was going to mention Final Fantasy XV, but there's really not much to say. I don't know you guys have probably talked about it before
4: mm.
3: a bit. Yeah, um, I,
4: think, I think I'm think still the only one that's played it
3: here.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, you
4: think you are. Yeah, I, I've, I've also I, need to
0: yeah it. I haven't played any more since, you know, when we did one of the first times we spoke about it.
4: Yeah, she'd only played like past the kind of little intro bit.
0: Yeah, I played past that. I got to the the first garage, and then I got stuck because I ended up playing a a bloody board game, uh, not board game, uh, arcade cabinet for like forty five minutes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know that game. That man, that arcade game that you play. You think this is interesting, and then you realise that like it's really easy, and you can play it for maybe I played it for about half an hour, and eventually I thought I can't remember if it was correct or not, but I thought I got a trophy for finishing playing a game, so I didn't want to quit out. So I just kept pressing the X button and I went and made myself dinner and I like cooked some noodles and
1: dinner,
3: <laughs> put on coffee. I went back and like this sounds like a joke, but no, I was still I was still alive in the game and I was like fuck this. Um Yeah Yeah. I liked it. I mean I stopped playing it and I traded it in, but I liked Final Fantasy fifteen probably more than any Final Fantasy game that I'd actually played um, but I still fell off it uh, quite hard but I would be interested in like whether Mink's going to go back and play it more or whether Kieran's going to finish it because I know they're still adding stuff I mean there was a cool news story out today just saying like how much Square are supporting it so they're saying they're treating it as a live game they're just adding new cutscenes and new gameplay modes and Rewriting parts of the story, just they said yep. they're going to do that forever, which is cool. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know. but I I keep reading about these things and I go right, okay, I'm going to start again because I, you know, I don't mind wiping out what I've done and starting again because I didn't put m- too much time in it. And every time I go to do it, I I read, oh, they're going to add some more, and it's like shit, okay. And uh, th- I've been quite busy, you know, uh, with real life stuff as well, so it's been easy enough for me to say right okay I'll wait I'll give it another week or so but I think if I wait for that I'm probably going to be waiting for years Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. you
0: know yeah. So I think I, I just need to take the plunge and get into it and stop playing board games and Yeah, for me and it was, um, time into it
4: for me it was Yakuza yeah, 0 and Gravity Rush came out and I was like well I don't need to be playing three giant open world games simultaneously I'll settle for these two for now I'll get back to Final Fantasy at some point. <laughs> yeah.
3: well, that's fair. Oh, well, I'll tell you guys about Resident, um, Resident Evil 7, which uh, I've been playing, and I was trying to finish it before I came on the podcast, um, yep. but I can't, because it's longer than I thought. Um, but that's a great game. I mean, it's weird, but I really like it. Uh, so, a lot of the stuff about it before it came out was talking about how it was... Uh, a big game for for PlayStation VR like probably one of the biggest mainstream releases that's a, a VR capable game as well so it was interesting from that point of view but I'm not playing it with VR I'm just playing it um, on my telly uh, and I would totally try it with the VR thing if I had one or could afford to get one um, or if I'm not
4: stuck anywhere
3: well yeah, yeah I suppose that. I mean I'm not like the biggest VR fan generally um, I don't know how I could fare with wearing a headset for long periods of time. i get pretty pissed off if I have to wear headphones for too long. <laughs> and I think this game in particular is pretty hard. I mean, I've made it hard for myself as well, because um, I'm trying to do all these stupid uh, trophies that make it more difficult. But I think I would get pretty fucked off with like that if I was wearing a headset. I don't think that it would necessarily make it easier, all these guys jumping out at you and you know, it's pretty gross as well. There's A lot of scenes of people kind of holding Maggie food up to your face and stuff. Uh, But yeah, it's really good. I mean, I was trying to tell Mike about it because I think it most sits in his wheelhouse, even though it's an FPS and that's not really your...
1: Yeah. Um,
3: But I know you fucking love horror. uh, Yes. And this is a, a love letter to horror movies. I mean, the opening's pretty straightforward. You turn up at a big gross house, it's not so much like a fancy mansion, it's like a run down swampy, kind of dilapidated house and yeah and you're kind of going through some some undergrowth and some dirty paths to get to and the set ups, you're trying to find your girlfriend in your videos, typical sort of stuff, and the the very opening moments when you're going up to the spooky house, you're like man, Rest in Evil's really went down a a Silent Hill route here and it's going to be all psychological it's not at all on <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, its like there's no moment where the horrible things that are happening to you might be a figment of your imagine- imagination or war reality. it's just look how fucking disgusting and gross this is way <laughs> that's it <laughs> but yeah so pretty soon stuff gets bad for your, your character he's like this total blank slate you don't know anything about him I think he's called Ethan and yeah, you're not like a Navy Seal or a ninja or in the Animus or anything. You're just some guy, and uh straight off, like the opening scenes, you just get fucked up, and it's real sort of Evil Dead horror. So there's a lot of women that kind of look like deadites up in your face with knives stabbing you, and chainsaws and limbs hacked off, and just gross stuff and gore, and it's awesome. <laughs> it's so good. Now, the start part of the game has quite a lot of being stalked around the house and I think at first it feels a bit like amnesia or something where you think oh this guy's going to jump out and I need to hide in cupboards and it's not really that much like that and maybe you play the opening sections thinking that it's like that but actually the bad guys are mostly pretty easy to move around or avoid, they just kind of keep you moving through the game as this kind of constant threat um But yeah, it's it's really satisfying. I think they have got a lot of things right. The Puzzles are never difficult, but there's that kind of slowly unlocking these different areas and the areas becoming bigger and bigger. As you open up different routes through them, that's really good. I think the level design's good. There's like these just really punchy weapons. So whenever you get a shotgun and shoot something at first, it's just incredibly visceral and satisfying. Um, And you go so long without having anything to fight back. That whenever you get something to, to shoot people with it feels really good um, but yeah I wouldn't say it's like a kind of twitchy skill based FPS at all either it's really plodding and slow in the same way as the first Resident Evil like whenever something was coming towards you really what you had to do is keep calm and pick your shots and just hope that you could take it down before it got to you and this is like that you know if you walk backwards you're so slow you're not rocket jumping or, you know, right. to the side or anything like that. It's real sort of slow, deliberate movement and it's all about, like, what should I take with me from the chest? You know, can I go without this key or am I going to need it later? Should I fill up with, like, the ammo uh, for just now in case I come up against these bad guys? You know, it's like, yeah, it's it's really interesting and there's lots of nods to to horror stuff all through it. Um... And I think the game changes quite a lot as it goes on, and I'm not entirely convinced that the back half of the game is great either. I would say maybe the first two thirds are really strong. By the time that it gets to the end, the last section kind of almost feels like DLC because it's in a totally different location, and it's not as well designed, and it's a bit more, like, it's a bit more of a slog to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's a weird game. Considering six, I don't think there's been any two entries in the series that would be more different than than um, Resident, Evil 5, uh, Resident Evil 6 and Resident Evil 7 it's just weird um, but yeah I don't know did any of you guys think about picking it up?
0: Uh, I did the whole thing with the, the, the first person stuff and the little bit that I have seen of it was you know by this time I've been let down by Resident Evil so many times Um, and I seen this, and I thought, right, it's going the route of Amnesia, Outlast, you know, this first-person thing, carry on, and that's where I left it.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those comparisons are not unfair, you know, there's, like, a lot of of outlast in there, there's a bit of Amnesia in there, but although those games, like Amnesia and Outlast, would have a lot of, like, a guy popping out of nowhere and being right up in your face and you're fucked. This is a bit more, whenever stuff goes wrong, you can always recover. I think at first it feels more like those games, because it's frightening and you're like, I don't know what to do, and you feel like you're really screwed, and a lot of time early on before you get more items and stuff, you are. But as you go later, it's more like planning your routes around those things, and it's a lot more like being in a kind of like a Almost like a fairground ride of what weird fucked up thing are they going to show me next? Um, Mm -hmm. It's not too cruel, like, whenever you die, you're not sent back miles either. Uh, I have had to check a guide a couple of times with some kind of obscure, lack of direction as to where to go next, but sometimes it's just me me being a bit stupid. Um, Yes, it's weird. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It reminds me in some ways of like a Rob Zombie film as well, uh, just with the cast of characters and stuff. Only not... yeah, Not badly <laughs> acted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know, it's
4: Resident Evil. so I...
3: Yeah. Um, it's, it's worth looking at just for how surprisingly different it is from, from what most people would have expected. Um, right. I would love Gordon to play it as well. I think he is. I think he's trying to borrow someone's VR headset to play it.
0: Uh, oh, I'd love to get a camera just filming him doing it. <laughs> you know,
3: this poor little uh, rabbit heart. <laughs> There's a lot of neat little things. I mean, just to give. No, I was going to say something that's a spoiler there. No, no. Like some of the boss encounters can turn out quite different depending on, on kind of what items you've got and how things play out. Always in a really disgusting, gory, someone getting minced up kind of way. But, right. But <laughs> um, so yeah I think that's maybe it's not hugely long like if you're not fucking around as much as me you can probably get through it in about 12 hours so maybe right, okay. into, or something just to, to see if it's for you yeah um,
0: yeah.
3: yeah, I really like
0: it. Yeah. Um, it one of the other things that I, I'd seen in um, was and I don't know how Again, you know, you read a lot of things on the internet, and the internet tends to, a lot of people like to put things in boxes, so I think that's why they're drawing comparisons with Amnesia and Outlast and things like that. But the other thing that I've seen and I'd read some of there was quite a bit of was jump scares. Now, I'm not a fan of jump scares, and it's not because, oh, they make me jump and screw like a girl. It's, I find them lazy. That It is so easy to do a jump scare you know you hide behind a door and somebody walks past and you jump out that's not being a master of horror that's you know that's just catching somebody by surprise Um, so I you know I'm not a big fan of them are there a lot of jump scares in the game or is that something else where just people have been a little bit lazy in classifying it
3: There's, there's a fair amount I would say yeah definitely more early on to be honest, like, the first hour feels like the VR heavy part where they're showing off all the VRE stuff. So there's, like, a hand going right up in your face and turning your head around, that kind of thing. Much more stuff up in your face. As right. you know, with the jump scare thing as well, there's no there's no false scares, you know. There's no, hey, and then it's just your friend saying, hey, to you really loud out of nowhere.
0: Oh, right, okay.
3: I think the jump scares, I think you're right, a lot of the time they can be lazy, but I think they're still... This kind of very specific use for jump scares, when they're uh, t- kind of punctuate a moment of actual genuine horror that continues beyond just like oh I jumped and it's over. Like the, I think the jump scares in this is like oh god, oh my god that's disgusting. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> yeah, um... like, it's not a jump scare that evaporates and dispels the tension from the scene. It's like a jump. And then you're like, oh, now I'm really fucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's it's done as well as you could hope for. Yeah, right.
0: yeah. I I mean, if you look at um, Until Dawn, Until Dawn had one jump scare.
3: Yeah, yeah. I no um, think that like they could have been lazy and just made that game a whole collection of kind yeah. jump scares.
0: You you know, so the the, the jump scare that was there. Uh, was the the ghost the ghost face when you open the door, and yeah. I loved that. That was it was kind it was half expected and it came out and it just went full full throttle. But that was it. It was one, and that's fine. Um, yeah, I, I just kind of feel that it's used it's overly used a lot. So if if you're saying there's not a lot of them, yeah, I I think I I might check out Resident Evil Seven yeah. at one point.
3: There's not none.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we should maybe try and get uh,
4: Nathan on some point soon because he's been playing that in VR.
0: Right.
3: Yeah, I would love to hear like how that is going. The whole thing, I think that would be a great thing to do. Is like a pure endurance run. Like, can I play the whole uh, Resident Evil Seven without taking the headset off? You don't know, get, <laughs> and you can't take it off until you're done. You would
2: burn your retinas.
3: Yeah. Paul just popped up with his health and safety advice there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that would probably be a yeah, probably not a good thing to do. Actually, from a <laughs> continuing to be able to see afterwards point of view. Um
0: uh-huh.
3: But yeah, I would think that would be a hard game to play. The whole thing, like there's there's bits where you're pushing through between these old rotted walls and you're kind of moving between panel boards and it's just minging. There's just like all these centipedes and there's like bits where he's brushing them off his arms and one crawls down his face and it's right up in your face when you're playing on a TV. I'm like oh that's just like, they really push it? In a, in a good way I think they're not like, oh it's a bit gross but we'll, we'll kind of let off the hook. It just keeps going and it gets worse and grosser. Um, but if I was doing that in VR I'd just be like you know what, maybe just play some Mario Kart or something instead. <laughs> <laughs> just want to go to Happy Land. <laughs> Excellent. I think that about sums up my, my Resident Evil 7 um, thoughts. Let's see. I would say, I think, yeah, worth, worth playing for horror fans mm. or looking at, it at least.
4: I'd like to pick it up, but I also already have a pile of first person horror games that I have not finished. So like I still need to get around to finishing Soma and like I barely started Alien Isolation.
3: So Alien Isolation is really long and actually possibly a really good point of comparison where with Resi Seven. Those games have a lot in common actually mm-hmm. Resi Seven's better. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yes, but I already own it nicely. (laughs) (laughs) I own two copies of it for some reason. I've owned PC and PS4. That's
2: because you're insane.
4: Yeah. I mean, mean, you're
2: buying a Switch. You're insane.
4: You're not wrong. But you say it in such a negative (laughs) way. Of course I do. (laughs) Cool.
2: Cool. So, Mike, you have been playing some Adventure Pop?
0: Yeah. So Adventure Pop is I just seen this as I turned on the PlayStation Four today actually. Um so it came out in it must have been in the Tuesday wave of, of releases. Uh it is a free to play game on the PS four. I don't know if it's on the Xbox One or any other format. But it is a free to play and it's a rip off of Buster Move which we were talking about earlier. Um I have played the first 14 levels of it and it's all tutorial so far. Um the free to pay element or the, the the pay element seems to be the power-ups that you get in these games. So if you've ever played any of these um one of the power-ups would be where you get the you know the the the, the, the aim line the aim line gets extended so you can do more technical shots and things. Um the standard aim line you get in this game Is rather poor It's piss poor If you wanted the the technical term That we would like to use for it Um, It's it's not very good at all And But the the Upgraded version is Oh you can pull off amazing shots with it It's great Um, And you need gems uh, to buy You know A a bundle of three uses of this This super aim shot Um, And to buy enough gems with real, real world cash, I think is about it's either eighty nine pence or a pound fifty. So it's you know that that usual kind of um, pricing level that you pay for these types of games. Um, it's okay, but there's there's no real meat to the game, and I don't know if that means I need to play through another thirteen or thirteen levels to get to you know some sort of uh, proper adventure in the game Because it, it seems just as uh, you, You'll get uh, Quite far into the, the level And you know start clearing bubbles And enjoying yourself and then the level's finished And then there's Two two minutes of loading, the load times are horrible On it, two minutes of loading And then there's this weird story That doesn't say anything There's these two characters talking to each other And the one's like what are you doing here And the other one's say like, I'm not going to tell you huh? Oh come on tell us no I can't tell you oh no look there's the bad guys oh we better deal with them we'll finish this discussion later and then you do the next level and that's fine two minute loading screen then the two characters show up and the one says what were we talking about oh I wasn't going to tell you anything oh come on yeah please you need to tell us oh shit the the, the pirates are here again oh no right we'll finish the discussion this time I promise and there's been 13 levels of this <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I the the
4: characters been like. Maybe we'll. Maybe we should story, guys. No, yeah. never mind.
0: Um, and uh, maybe we should story. No, the the guy that wrote the story is stoned off his tits. Um, 52. but yeah, it's it's very strange. Um, game. The gameplay itself is okay, uh, but there is. I don't know if I'm going to play much more of it. I'll wait till I get my DS Lite and I'll just play Super Buster Move.
3: That's fair. Um, yeah,
0: so uh, check it out if you fancy. Uh, if It's a 2 gig download, so if you've got decent you know, enough internet, download that's
4: it. fairly beefy.
0: For uh, you. It, it yeah, took,
4: for me. For normal took, people, that's like nothing.
0: Yeah, I think it took me... Six minutes to download, and that I was also I was updating my p c at the time, and uh you know yes, download, do, do, you know, down yeah, it. yeah, so it took me six yeah. minutes and I was downloading new antivirus uh, definitions and stuff like that, and doing all of that stuff, so um, yeah, so if you've got six minutes to spare in download time, download it, see what you think,
4: or six, days but,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was also playing some uh, Star Wars Battlefront I played the uh, Rogue One Scarif DLC Kieran did you play that yet?
4: I still don't actually play that I also only played the Death Star one like, a couple of times I should probably get back to that game. But Titanfall 2 came out And then I didn't play any other online shooters Because Titanfall 2 was out
0: I got given the I got given the copy of uh, Titanfall Two, um, the review copy that we had from the site, because uh, I was visiting Ben uh, last night and we were going through some stuff and it's, you know, doing that thing that we do. It's I, I've got this review copy of this and okay, I'll give you this and you give me that and uh, so I've got a copy of Titanfall Two to check out. Uh, the rogue. The Rogue One Scarif maps Uh, so it's uh, you know the the planet of Scarif and so it's locations that you've seen in the film. It's cool you've got Walker Assault uh, being one of the uh, games that you can play. You can play a space battle so that happens in you know just above the planet and they've, they've still got that little weird airlock thing from the film.
4: I still haven't actually seen Rogue One.
0: Have you not? I've not. Oh, okay. Um, you could play the game, and it's not really going to give you. It's not going to spoil anything. Um, I mean, whether
4: it is a prequel, I, I, I know what the story is. Yes, yes,
0: yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you you know how you know how this one ends. Yeah,
4: right? they're yeah. going to get Death Star plans to Princess Leia. Yeah,
0: because that's um, how the
4: movie starts.
0: <laughs> um but the, the the main game mode is it's a bit like what they did with the Death Star uh, DLC the, the main game mode is one called infiltra- Infiltration
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I don't know if it was called Infiltration on the Death Star but it's the, the same idea you play the game and it's split into three sections uh, the first section is a space mode where you're above the planet and you're trying to get down onto the surface um, if you're the Empire, if you stop um, uh, the rebels, have got three ty- uh, various types of ship ships, and if uh, one of one of the types of uh, a specific type of ship gets through um, into this barrier, it goes into the next section of the the game. The next section of the game is um, you're down on the planet. And you are trying to stop the <clears throat> if you're the the empire trying to stop the rebels get to a a certain structure, and there's two certain, there's two structures, one on either side of the map, and they just need to get to one of them and plant a bomb and blow it up. If that happens, it goes on to the third part of the the mission where uh the rebels start off inside a base, and there are three objects that they have to carry. And uh, they pick them up, um, and it's not you can't see them running around carrying it. It's just you know uh, like equipping. You mm-hmm. you push the button, and that now you have it, and you still you're still able to use your weapon. And you're tra- You need to get to a certain uh, point on the map, and it's basically it's it's capture the flag. Yeah. Um, and it works really well. It's good fun.
4: It's just good. I, I I like that game. I should get back to it. Yeah.
0: So uh, one of the things that I've noticed they've got now which uh, I hadn't seen before because I haven't played it like you, Kieran, I haven't played it in a while, is called Skirmish Mode. So it's a single-player mode now. So you can play Walker Assault and you can play a couple of other game modes. Uh, I think it's the Space Squadron Battle. So either Space Mm -hmm. Squadron Battle and uh, Walker Assault, you can play them offline with bots. That's cool. Or you can play them... uh, split screen so play them couch multiplayer split screen Um, and you know so there'd be two three or four of you and then you can have um, the rest controlled by bots
4: I don't think I'd ever use that but it's cool that it's there
0: yeah um, I am actually as we speak I'm just checking out the the single player and uh, it looks quite good and yeah Hmm. Uh, it's it runs quite smooth and obviously well obviously it would because it's a you're basically playing an online game without the um, the online element
4: yeah Yeah. I wonder if they bump the graphics up at all with it because
0: it it looks yeah it looks like they have actually it looks really good
2: might be worth me actually getting then because the only reason I really haven't is if my internet's so bad
0: right Um, yeah it might be worthwhile but uh, the new the new one's coming out soon anyway yeah turn off yeah cool so uh, yeah that's uh, basically everything I've been playing on the um, on the video games
4: but what about the board games Mike
0: oh yeah plenty of board games um, oh I, I almost forgot do you want a project cross zone 2 update
4: oh yes of course <laughs> uh,
0: Oh, pro- uh, I am 10 hours 10 and a half hours in That's it. That's my update.
4: <laughs> I don't remember how many hours you were last time, so that could mean uh, you've yeah. not played it.
0: No, I uh, I think I was.
4: Or it I, could mean that you played ten and a half hours of it. I genuinely don't remember.
0: I think I was about eight eight odd hours. I think right, I put I mean, in like two odd hours, okay. maybe, maybe a bit more actually. But uh, yeah, I've been playing it quite a bit when I've been travelling, so I'm back into it, and I'm. It's going to be one of those. I think I'll probably finish it by Christmas time. So by game up. of the year, yeah by game of the year I'll be finished it so Great. that's fine. Um, a board game wise, uh, I played a digital version of a board game. Uh, this was one that came out. I think we're all uh, excited about it, which was the digital version of Mysterium. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you want the verdict? Yeah, sure, that's a
4: bit. Oh,
0: okay. No. Um, the cool thing about or the thing that the digital version does is it destroys the cool thing that the board <laughs> game version is. Um, and that's not good. That's not no. good at all. So no, the it's cool, not. The cool thing about Mysterium and the reason it works is the human interaction.
1: Yeah.
0: Or sometimes the lack of human interaction. If you're the ghost. Um, so we spoke about Mysterium plenty of times on this podcast, uh, it's the game where you are the ghost uh, and the rest of the players are psychics and you're trying to get them to identify certain clues and you do it by playing Dick's style cards. And uh, you may want them... You're trying to guide them using these very, very abstract pieces of art. Um, and it's a lot of good fun. Part of the, the fun is, is where you give somebody a card and they'll look at it. Now the the thing is, as the ghost, you can't talk and you can't show any emotion. So you give them the card, and they're basically spewing their their stream of consciousness out. And it may sometimes be going in the complete wrong direction, but you can hear this information, and then you know, um, take it, compute it, and then change your you know what you're going to give them the next time based on what they've said. You know so if they're going off in a completely wrong direction you want to make sure the next card you give them has nothing to do at all with what you gave them before
1: yeah. or
0: if they were close you want to try and reinforce it and it's quite good um, when you change that and you get an AI to do it so the way that the game can be played it can be play, <coughs> excuse me it can be played multiplayer online um, I don't know anyone else that has the game so I haven't been able to <laughs> test it but everyone else would be you, probably playing it single player so the way that you play it is you play one of the you know the, the players the psychics and the AI plays the ghost and it's be, it's, it's just logic programming that's all it is it, it, if it gives you a card you go all right okay it's giving me that card there's something blue on that card is there anything blue on the other cards Uh no, okay. Is there... There's a picture of an animal, okay. Is there a pit? And it is... If there's a picture of an animal on the dream card you're given, look on the other card for an animal. That will be it. It's very, very um, literal. Yeah. There is no... I, because I suppose it would be quite difficult to program an AI to do that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it was, it, it was a very wave thing to try and bring this to a digital app and have a single player that works it does work and it ticks all the boxes but it's an idiot could play this and get it right and i'm i, I just think it is because of the programming to to do that you know effectively and well i don't even think it's possible and i i you know i don't work in the the industry and kieran in you've you program, so you would probably know whether it is, you know, if it's possible to do something like that and do it well. You know, this.
4: I think it's more of a design issue than this now. Like, you, if you're making uh, a digital version of a board game that relies heavily on, you know, interaction with other players, you have to either make something completely different with the same mechanics, uh-huh. or make a multiplayer only game. Like, this kind of weird middle ground where it's similar enough but they changed it because you can't simulate players properly doesn't really work like for things that don't require player interaction that much like Catan and you know Ticket to Ride and stuff like that super easy to make a digital version because you make the regular game and the AI is the AI but for something Uh that is you know this kind of weird kind of you know thing that relies on humans, basically. It just doesn't seem like it... It seems like they went the wrong route with trying to make a digital version of it. Yeah. Um, Like, comparatively, I think they probably should have waited and seen how Ubisoft's um, Mafia game does. Right. Their weird VR thing that's just the Mafia card game but in VR, so you're playing it online with actual people and it simulates that kind of human interaction stuff because you're playing with actual people in VR and that is yeah. like the kind of thing that could be pretty good for this kind of digital board game that doesn't like Mafia is not a thing you could play single player on a phone it just wouldn't make any sense there are versions of it I'm sure but it doesn't make any sense um, and then Mysterium a kind of similar thing
0: yeah it's um yeah it, i can't recommend it at all um uh, it's it's quite pricey as well so um yeah definitely just skip it mm-hmm. yeah I think um I and that's it moving on
4: oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so news then yes news um so we were just talking about star wars battlefront a few minutes ago yeah. Um, DICE has confirmed that they are go- not going to be adding any additional content to Star Wars Battlefront going forward they've moved fully on to working on Star Wars Battlefront 2 which is due out, uh historical claims in August this year but I don't know if they were that specific before but towards the end of this year um, they confirmed a couple more little features about Battlefront 2 um, yeah. such as that it's going to have a single player campaign in it not just you know, they will make random things single player a year and a half or two years after the game comes out. Um, uh-huh. it's going go have a single player campaign. Uh they also said that uh our next Star Wars battlefront will be even bigger, taking players into more locations and allowing them to play with more heroes and characters across multiple Star Wars eras so the prequels will be in it, is basically what they're saying. Right. Um and presumably the new movies as well. 'Cause the Star Wars Battlefront very much just focused on the original movie's kind of time period. Um like the stuff that they had from episode seven was still set kind of just after episode six. It wasn't really the same time period. Um but yeah, it could be good. I I like that first game. I like this old battlefront game, so
0: Yeah. Um, you know what as long as they do a decent job of it I'm really enjoying this Battlefront still when mm. I get to play it so yeah as long as you play Jar Jar Binks it'll be great yeah um, absolutely <laughs> I'm all for the Jar Jar uh, Dark 4 got announced
4: the fourth <gasps> Dark game there's definitely not been any more Dark games since Dark 3 came out Dark Force coming. It's coming out this <laughs> year. Um, which is amazing. It's coming out in June, which is a really like short announcement to release kind of like time span. Um, and Codemasters have been talking about it's gonna have like a mix of kind of super simulation y stuff and also arcadey stuff. So is going to be a mix of you can play it like Dirt 3 if you want or you can play it like Dirt Rally if you want which seems like it might break me because I wouldn't be able to decide because I like both of those things so <laughs> we'll see I definitely wouldn't play it like Dirt Rally because I'd be terrible at it oh, I'm terrible at Dart Rally I, I've i never won a race in that game I'm just happy if I finish that's, that's how I feel with Dirt Rally is if I manage to get across that finish line I have succeeded in the race.
2: Have you (laughs) seen the fact that the rally stages in it are actually going to be procedurally generated? Oh no, I hadn't seen that. Um, So they've got, I think it's some crazy amount of like different stages and each rally is procedurally generated so you'll never drive
4: the same rally twice. Oh yeah. So it says here, um, if doing a weird mix of things where yeah, it's going to have procedure-generated things but also it'll have the official FIA World Rallycross Championship license, including settings for such as blah 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 basically they're going to have a bunch of license tracks and also uh, five air, five locations that you can generate tracks on as well yeah. Yeah. Um, which that could be pretty great if that works well um, and if anyone was going to I'd trust just Codemasters, they're generally pretty great um. Yes, yeah, so that comes out in June, so game of the year could be pretty good this year. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um. Square Enix announced the new game, kind of out of the blue. Um. Well, not entirely out of the blue because this trailer leaked a while ago, but I don't think I don't remember people saying it was Square Enix related. Um. Yeah. So Square Enix is making an Avengers game. They've partnered partnered up with Marvel. Um, to be more specific, it being made by Crystal Dynamics, the Tomb Raider people. Um, but, yeah, they're making an Avengers game.
3: Not getting out DSX anymore either, because I assume some of those people will be making the Avengers game, because uh, they just said that the last DSX, which was supposed to be the part of a trilogy, is now just, that's a done Yeah sell that well. Yeah,
4: um, it didn't sell very well.
3: It wasn't it wasn't I mean I liked it but it wasn't as good as the first game either, so you can <laughs> kind of see why. Like, um but they can make a good game. They could make a good Avengers game. Yeah. It's kinda of crazy that there isn't one already, really, in a big way. Yeah. So. Definitely. Um,
4: what well, this article what I'm reading says is that um to do it's the Crystal Dynamics is working in collaboration with IDOS Montreal, which is DSX developers, uh, to make Avengers. Uh, and then also, it seems like IDOS Montreal is also working on the next Tomb Raider game as well. Ah. Uh-huh. So, it seems like they're both kind of just working on these things together. Um, yeah, and also, um, there's... I don't know if it was announced or if it was just leaked, but there were, there were rumours saying that they're also making a Guardians of the Galaxy game as well, which could be interesting. Yeah. It seems it'd be interesting to see if, when Guardians of the Galaxy 2 comes out, if we end up just with that Telltale game that was announced a while back and also a new Square Enix game based on it, and then, you know, the usual free-to-play stuff they turn out at the same time as well. yeah. Complete saturation. Um, PlayStation Plus for next month has been announced. Uh, Love Big Planet Three is kind of the big thing that's um, coming for PS4. Also, Not a Hero, which is kind of a good side-scrolling kind of platform shooter thing, uh, where you're helping a bunny become mayor. Um, that was made by the all the Oli, Oli developers I think. Um so they've come to PS4. Sorry, was that?
3: Uh yeah, I played that. I just I remembered it as you started describing it. <laughs> <laughs> it like something that either I dreamed about or I did actually play.
4: <laughs> I've not actually played that. I just I remember people saying it was really good and thinking it looked really cool, but I've just never got around to picking it up. Um on PS three Starwall which is a as well.
0: Oh yeah, I remember that. That's uh, wasn't it meant to be close to the um, Nidhog. It came out more or less same
4: Yeah, yeah. When all those kind of local multiplayer games were coming out. Yeah. Um, and then also uh, Anna Extended Edition, which isn't that the really terrible horror game?
0: Yes, I think so. Yeah.
4: Great, right, I might play that. Um For On Vita Ninja Sinkai DX Or Sinkai DX Um It's kind of Old school Looking the platformer Like it looks like An old NES game Um I don't know if it was any good I never played that one Uh And then also Torque L Which I recognise the name of But do not remember What that game is Um Googling it, it's a platformer puzzle game. It's quite neat actually. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's plus plus for the next month. It looks quite good. Um, I think we talked about the games for gold last week. I think um, those also seem really good because it's like Project Cars and stuff. So yeah. Uh, then the other news story I've got here is um, the Oculus versus or ZeniMax versus Oculus. Uh, lawsuit that's been going on for a while where Denimax have been suing yeah. Oculus claiming that basically the VR tech that they are selling was made by Denimax to some degree or they were researching it and when uh, John Carmack left and took he when John Carmack left Denimax and joined Oculus that he took a bunch of stuff with him and that That basically became what Oculus is. Um, The jury found in favor of Oculus, and so Facebook, uh, sorry, in favor favor of ZeniMax, and so Oculus and Facebook have to pay five hundred million dollars in damages to them. Um, Wow! But it's also not
3: much. This would directly affect their relationship with Palmer Luckey, because I had to look into the details exactly what the suit was involved in and quite yeah. a big part of it was Palmer breaking an NDA yeah um, that was the main
4: bit that they that the jury were kind of like that's the bit you're kind of guilty of all the John yeah. Carmack stealing stuff stuff they kind of were like there's not enough evidence for this
3: yeah so quite a lot of it if you look at the 500 million I think a good 350 of it is Palmer Bucky who doesn't yeah. seem like the coolest guy in the world
4: anyway
3: <laughs> a lot so. of in that particular case.
4: Yeah. So, according to Polygon, $200 million of it is Palmer Lucky's NDA violation, plus $50 million for copyright infringement. Uh, $50 million award against both Oculus and co founder Palmer Lucky for false designation, and $150 million against former CEO Brendan Irub for false designation. Zenimax had claimed $2 billion in damages, but that is, they didn't get all of that, obviously. Um, yeah, and Oculus said they're going to appeal it, because of course you do, why wouldn't you? Um, and Zenimax has said they're not done suing them, so <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll see. It seems they, they're going to try and get as much money out of that as they can. Um yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Denimax claimed 2 billion in damages, but they actually, like a couple of days ago, just before the jury came back for their thing, um, actually asked for more. They increased how much damages they were looking for to 4 billion overall. So, they seemed sure. pretty confident they were going to win and they were just kind of hoping, I guess, that they could get as much as possible. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because if those claims are true, like I definitely see, you know, Zenimax being kind of in the right, which is a weird thing to say about Zenimax of all companies. <laughs> um, like Zenimax is straight up just like run by Donald Trump's brother. Like this is, they are not a nice company.
3: Yeah, Um
4: Not that you know Palmer Lucky run Oculus is the nicest company in the world either, but
3: there's really good people working at Oculus though yeah, that definitely. have quite kind of positive yeah. outlook for the future of VR and they're working quite hard on it and they're trying to distance themselves from definitely. that element of the company yeah. but fair enough like if they're caught stealing <laughs> yeah like, sounds like they, they really have been I, I had a read of their response and it's not like they're saying this is outrageous they're like
4: uh, <laughs> yeah like Yeah, like, um, John Carmack had a a kind of thing that he released, and his response kind of came off as being a bit like, ah, whatever, this this isn't stuff you can steal. And it's like, well, the court kind of disagree, so.
3: (laughs) It was Uh, hilarious. At one point, they they found John Carmack had to Google how to, I think it was something like how to delete data off your hard drive without (laughs) anyone finding it out, or something like that. that Thinking you, how to do a techie thing without looking it up, it would be him. Um, but he found the search, so I don't
4: know. Yeah. There was a bit during the trials where um, they asked them, because uh, the court, are, you know, the jury and court and stuff like that, none of them are particularly techy people, and they asked them what shader was. And it's just like, okay, well, I imagine that of all the people you fucking ask what a shader is, John Carmack will tell you forever
3: Yeah. It's yeah. going to be the
4: longest court case in the history of mankind.
3: And also the DDC took. <laughs> well, uh, I, could, I could segue at that point. I could segue into the final news story if you like. Yeah, go for it. Um, so, the last thing that I wanted to bring up was just a really cool thing um, in an otherwise disgusting and horrifying situation. So, quite a lot of devs are finding it hard to make it to GDC because it's in America. And America's a big for fire at the moment. Yeah. That's obviously not a comment on America as a whole, but on the terrible uh, discriminatory practices by the American government just now and banning um, people from eight specific countries from entering the US for any reason. Um, And this has obviously fucked up people of all sorts. I mean, obviously, games developers are the ones that we're focusing on, but there's people with far more important things to do um, in America than just uh, sell their game at GDC um, but anyway just focusing on that for the moment um, there's been quite a lot of chat about it recently I think there's a really good article written in the Guardian by Rami Ismail um, from Flambier yeah. uh, it's worth, worth everyone having a read at just talking about how this affects the industry and it's just it's a horrifying situation um and in many ways we wouldn't have games as we know it if these eight specific countries um, weren't allowed to contribute to the video game community because quite a lot of the history of video games has come and, and there's a lot of stuff written in that article about that, how worldwide games are and how uh, international they are and how many great programmers have travelled from all over the world uh, mm-hmm. into America to kind to, to, to succeed so one good thing that's come out from this is Devolver, who are a really kind of media-savvy publisher, and they do a lot of really cool things anyway, have offered to demo games from developers that can't make it into the U.S. themselves. So setting up, I think, Vive stations and just uh, desktop PC stations and kind of taking the source code from those developers and offering um, an opportunity to display those games that otherwise no one would be able to see and would obviously affect the business for all these people poor people who are, you know, making games, which is definitely one of the hardest things you can do. Being an indie dev, making a game is just pouring your heart and soul into something that's incredibly difficult to make a success of, so to have their plans fucked up by not being able to make it to GDC must be horrible.
4: Yeah, definitely.
3: Devolver have always did kind of cool... I, I think they've got that kind of... that I think they like to think of themselves as kind of a punky... um... Publisher and some of their stuff can be a bit publicity stunty. But and um, in the case of this I think it's just a really decent good thing that they're doing, you know?
4: Yeah, definitely. I I always feel like in terms of like indie publishers, uh Devolver's kinda of one of the biggest and best of them. Uh yeah, them and kinda of adults one seem to be the ones that are kind of most supporting the indie scene in awesome ways. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's awesome see. There was also a really good um has been a really good kind of series of articles and videos and stuff about, you know, the current issues in America, um relating to the games industry. Uh one of the really good ones that went up was um uh, was Insomniac uh posted the video on oh, their official that. channel talking about it. Um, and it's just nice to see kind of even like the bigger game developers like kind of, you know, pointing out that it's going to fuck things up for lots of people and it's not, you know, it's bad
3: Yeah, absolutely so I think there's lots of different ways you can go about supporting um, some of these devs and stuff like that and you you can probably have a Google about the internet but I know that some games companies were donating their profits to the legal funds to help some of these people, so I know that Flambeard did that for 24 hours and some other companies did, um so yeah, you can probably search online that article's that a good place to, to start look out for some of those videos.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Buy the devolver game by Hotline Miami, if you haven't already because you're crazy and you should have. That's a Devolver game, it's, isn't it? It's just the first one. Just the first yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that is a Devolver game, yeah.
3: Yeah, as long as you get the soundtrack for the second one, you're fine. <laughs> yeah,
4: sure. that's all you need. Uh...
3: That's
4: yeah. me, That's all the, the news I've got. Cool. Should we move on to new releases then?
0: Cool. Uh, there's nothing coming out. All video games are being played. Just go out and do something more productive with your life.
4: It was a bit. <laughs> a bit.
2: What's this uh, life productive thing, What?
0: So, uh, well, if, like Paul, you don't want a productive life, you can look for stuff coming out. So, we'll look at releases coming out for the 10th, Friday the 10th of February, or weekending fr- uh, Friday the 10th of February. So coming out on the 8th, we have, um, for the PS4, we've got uh, Neo. Or however the hell you pronounce Nio, it. from Neo. Nio, Nio. No, I, yeah. I've been saying
4: Neo, but I think it probably is Nile. It's Nile. I think
0: it's um, that game from Kuwait Techno
4: yeah it's their yes. Dark Souls Ninja Gaiden game yeah uh,
0: so there is also the Lego Dimension stuff coming out There's, uh, because of the Lego Batman movie um, yeah yep, so we've got that stuff coming out uh, we also have um, it's called a uh, slain back from hell
3: that's a good
0: Coming on this yeah,
4: that's, yeah that's, that's good. I like that. I've not cool. played it yet, but I, I do want to. I, I It was one of those games that when it first came out and was the version that people didn't really like, I yep. loved the art style and stuff. I was like, ah, if everyone keeps saying it's bad, ah, I'll skip it. But it seems like they fixed yeah. it. So, yeah, I really want to play it.
0: Yeah, and uh, that is it for uh, that. Uh, oh no, I said yes. Yeah, no, that is it uh, because is it. the Maybe. stuff coming out is the week after that.
4: Yeah, and there's some big stuff coming out the
0: week after. There is, yes. Yeah. Also, Fire Emblem um, Heroes
4: is out now. Go play that. That's pretty decent. Yeah, go go play
0: uh, that. Yeah, the the new Time Stories expansion came out for on the bo- for board games.
4: I should play that at some point. Time Stories.
0: You should. I've only
4: <laughs> <it> since Christmas.
0: <laughs> uh, I think that's it. Is there anything else? Has anyone forgotten anything? No. No, I think I'm good. Cool. Uh, th- Seven. I think uh, the only thing left to do is a couple of things left to do. Uh, you it, To tell you that if you want to send us an email, you can send us an email to podcast at com. You can send us a tweet. Paul, how did they send a tweet?
2: At Glitch free Game on Twitter. Or at Glitch free Gaming on Twitter.
0: No, Glitch Free Game.
2: Glitch free Game, yep.
0: Yep. Uh, one of these days we need to standardise the whole bloody lot of these things. We will, <laughs> we promise. Create a Patreon, that's what we'll do. We'll create a Patreon and give us it's money not to keep does, the show
4: right. Fund us buying the names from other people.
0: No, no, just to get yeah, us to get our arse gear and change the <laughs> name, standardise anything, you know? The money's not to keep the podcast going or anything like that. No, none of that silly stuff. We have a logo you... now, it
4: means we're, we're good.
0: <laughs> oh, is that what it is?
4: Yeah, that's oh, what I mean.
0: I can I can live with that. Well, if you want to see our new logo, you can see our new logo on uh, Facebook. So look yeah. for Glitch Free Gaming on Facebook. Um, I think we're doing something with the website, but I'm not 100% sure because... I don't uh, do much on the website these days as well yeah we're uh, going to
4: have a uh, different it's, it's not going to be the same as the logo but it'll be the same style and we're going to roll that out at some point in the next Sure, uh, cool excellent
3: probably next time
0: <laughs> cool and so the only other thing left to do is thank Tom for joining us and talking nonsense with us for uh, over two hours
3: thank you very much for having me guys and let's nice. the podcast going for this ridiculously large number of episodes
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> We've only actually done three episodes. We just started at episode 167. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know,
3: just like it starts and it goes, Welcome to episode 12.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and what it is, is just the same episode looped over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, Tom, thank you for coming on. Um, come and join us again sometime soon. And... Also, thank you to everyone for downloading all 170 episodes of this, if you're that brave. If you've only done three, also thank you for downloading. Um, And we will speak to you all again next week. So until then, eat more cat food. Bye.
1: Goodbye.